<laughs> Larry. A bit, of a, bit of a bump no, over there. I, okay, I, okay. I love that, man. Yeah. I, I want you to come back every week now with a new tune, man. <laughs> so the funny thing is my son just started a recorder. Okay. So once he got his recorder from school, I'm saying, I'm getting one too. We're doing this thing together. And he's actually been really... He's getting good? He's doing... Oh, yeah. Right. He, he's, got, he's got my jeans because I was awesome. making the music. I'm so. going to start doing a, like a mixtape of your stuff, man. <laughs> That's what I'm going to next time. I don't know what that thing is. Uh, you'll come up with something, yeah. man. Yeah. Larry, welcome back, man. Thank you. Good to have you back in the studio here. Good to be back. Uh, we're going to talk about something that's interesting, and, and obviously, obviously, it's it's actually close to home to a lot of tradespeople, man. It is. Like, it's, um, I, this is, I wouldn't say the word is concern. I think that, um, I think a lot of tradespeople are realizing we can't count on the government and the governing bodies to help us get more kids and people into trades. We're kind of on our own. Right, right. Sad to say, but it feels like we're kind of on our own that we have to just do it ourselves and just prove, I guess, our model. And then they'll jump on the bandwagon after that, right? Exactly. Once they see the value, and I think what they're doing is they're kind of more reactionary now more than anything, putting all these, you know, stops in play to see, you know, what's going to stick. So we have the grade nine tech credit that's introduced for next year. Yeah. Which sounds like a wonderful idea when you first think about it. The challenge there is going to be staffing it appropriately is it just checking the right boxes politically speaking or is it actually going to do something see <laughs> there's a lot to talk about man. yeah there definitely <laughs> will, there definitely will be 100 percent. but what i I'm, I'm very hopeful in a lot of different ways yeah based on what i've been able to see in the last couple of months and what i've been working on and just seeing things just just from a different perspective and in a different position so i am hopeful in many ways because i can see the interest is there it's just what's being done with it to channel it and to guide it. Is there a disconnect between, like, the kids are there. Yes. The kids want to know and learn more yes. about where I potentially can go in a career in my life, right? 100%. But I guess their voices are not being connected to the right people. Exactly. Like, I mean, when we look at it, the pathway is, is not the clearest shot. So for them... Let's face it, a lot of, like anybody else, they're looking for the path of least resistance in a way. Yeah. And if, say, I'm interested in one thing, but I can't get a clear answer as to how I can get to that, or I'm getting five different answers on how to get to that, to that particular point, uh, destination, whatever you want to call it, yeah. well, then forget it. I'm just going to look at, okay, this seems a lot easier to do. Ah, this seems pretty successful as well. Let me give this a shot. So I'm seeing the interest there is just how it's being channeled and it's getting better. And I think certain places are doing a better job with that, but there's, there's a lot more room for growth and improvement. There's there a lot sure. of work. All right. So let me, let me share a bunch of deets here. So Larry Lagamba is back here. You basically, you started the Georgetown skilled trades mentorship group. Yes. More of a Facebook group, right? Correct. And you're getting a lot of traction on Facebook and a lot of people are, I guess a lot of parents are, are getting very interested in this, right? Yes. And it's actually quite nice to see given I didn't have that support myself. So seeing all these parents in on this and involved. So, you know, the Georgetown School Trades uh, Mentorship Group got me connected with, with the local school board and they invited me to the Skill Trades Fair. And that was, that was honestly, that was such a nice sight to see all those families and parents coming with their kids, asking amazing questions, highly engaged and interested. So yeah, the, the, the parents, uh, you know, the, quite a few of them are on board with us. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So reach out to him at uh, Larry, is it Larry.lagamba 
at hotmail.com uh larry lagomp at hotmail.com oh i thought there was a dot there sorry and then on instagram you can reach out to you on instagram with your own personal page which is which is larry dot lagomba that's right right and then i just quick shout out i got jason guest tea on so i'm guest contracting up north there in the barry area thanks so much for the tea and then i also want to do another shout out here to uh sergey from homestar roofing uh enough respect for sergey and his crew all the hard work that they provide all the friends and the clients and the family making sure roofs are done properly uh reach out to him on ig at homestar underscore roofing his number is 647-380-0625 his email is info at homestarroofing.ca and his website is www.homestarroofing.ca and of course listen to his story when he was here with peter uh show number 313 so guys keep up the good work and we'll see you soon so larry where do we want to i guess begin so I guess we could probably, well, let's, let's take it from, I guess, where we left off in a sense and kind of what has happened since then. So last time I was here, we talked about what I was working on and, and the, the initial stages of that. On the side, like a side hustle with a monumental side hustle, right? Yes. So it just off season, which is you know amazing with being in the pool industry, obviously. So started that, had the presentation ready, rock and roll, even showed it to you. Yeah. Looked it over it a little bit together at the end of the show. And I started making myself available to the local schools. So initially, there was you know, there was interest. I'll give it that there was interest, but there wasn't really any follow through with that. So at that point, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm not just going to let this die and fall flat in its face. Do you think that there was no follow through because the teachers are paid X amount? They have so much time; mm-hmm. they don't need another detail or line item to come onto their plate when they don't have the time or the resources or the funding to work on it. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is the attitude in terms of still not valuing as much as they oh, should be. I agree be, with you. Right. And, yeah. and, and one thing I'm going to get it, I guess maybe I shouldn't jump too out of myself. That would definitely be on the one part of it. The other, the other piece is that like, I'm not really a known entity by any means. Like nobody knows who I am. Yeah, but no entity is known until you start growing it. Exactly. So <laughs> exactly. But I think, but that there's a hesitation because there's a risk there. You're taking somebody in who you don't know who they are. You've never heard them present before. You know. I know, but your messaging, right? I saw your presentation. Your messaging was just positive, positive, positive. There wasn't hmm. anything negative attached to that messaging. No, but the fact is they don't know who I am. Like it's not wow. like they, they, and I get it. There's a risk when you're, when you're bringing somebody in who you've never heard present before, you don't know what they're going to say exactly and how it's going to land necessarily. Yeah. So I completely got that. So I figured, okay, let's shift gears. So I went direct to the community made myself available on local groups in Georgetown. And that's when like the messages were just pouring in. So I said, okay, all these people seem to be incredibly interested. So I parents said, first, uh, parents. And then actually I had uh, some teachers too, Really, but teachers obviously at the ground level can only make decisions to a certain extent. There are obviously different channels. There's a lot of hurdles. There are. We get it. So one of one of those individuals is actually a Pathways consultant at the board who um, who I've been working very closely with in the last little while. So we've coordinated presentations. We've like we've actually really have taken that. We've really taken that move ball with it. But when I saw all this interest, I'm thinking like it just a light bulb went off. Like yeah. I knew, okay, these are individuals that are clearly not being served in the way they should be. So how do we channel that? How do we guide that? So that's when the group started. And it's been growing steadily. And I've been putting, I've been doing Zoom presentations. So every, I was doing it for like every other week or something like that. I would do a Zoom presentation for the new members that would come in. 
just doing doing the presentation that you saw, answering their questions. I've been doing exclusive content on there and started doing some interviews with, uh, with some contractors. So the most recent one I did was with a good friend of mine who is a painter decorator in, on, in uh, Toronto. Okay. So I went there, took my phone and just videotaped him doing his thing and just ask him, how did you get into this? Why do you love painting? Yeah. What are some cool tips and tricks or things that are important for somebody to know that wants to get into your line of work? And I'd love to do it on honestly every single trade if I could. Yeah. Like get on site, show people what it's like. This is the real. Yes. Yeah. Authentic. This is the deal. So that's that's another part of what I'm doing. I've got different ideas and things that I've kind of. What's the done. one question that's constantly being asked by, I guess, parents, teachers, even potential students that want to get into it? What's the one question that you're hearing over and over? How do I start? How do I get? That's it. Just how yeah. do I start? How do I start? How do I get into this? So there's so much confusion that people don't really know where to go. Yeah, because there's so many different options. I mean, you have, like we, and we mentioned uh, previously, you have these private colleges that are coming up trying to snatch money from people. Money driven. For exactly. Some, I'll, I'll just say it. It's just money driven. 100%. And you have, you, you, like people don't realize, you know, there's an opportunity to go direct to employers or direct to, to start yeah. apprenticeships so yeah. long as you meet all the criteria. And that's what I'm really trying to drive home. There are, you have pre-apprenticeships that are paid for by the government, which are options maybe to test and try different, uh, different things. If you want to see, hey, you know, if I do a couple of weeks in this paid program and co-op placement, how's this going to go? And that's actually, that was one uh, organization that I met at the Skill Trades Fair, which is a center for skills development. Okay. They got a lot of amazing programs that are paid for by the government to get more boots on the ground. So yeah. it's uh, a lot of good stuff is happening there, but people don't know about that unless it's. There's also a lot of funny programs that are being offered by the government. And I know that I've met a few recently mm -hmm. and what I, I started realizing there was red flags. Right. Because I just, there was a lot of questions because they're trying to make it easier, I guess, for the employer to bring on more apprentice, right? apprenticeships. And all of a sudden, the government starts asking a bunch of questions that I don't think the government should be asking about right. your business. And I started realizing, well, you're asking these questions to now start thinking about putting this business in a different kind of bracket. Right. So I get it. You're going to subsidize and give some money to a business owner to have an apprentice come in to work for you. But on the back end, you're going to start affecting their business number because you're going to start charging them, I guess, more taxes and more all kinds of stuff. And then what's the point of doing this? So business owners won't agree to that. No, and I'm, I'm finding there's there's that resistance to it too. Because yeah. what was happening was when I when I started the group a couple, couple of weeks in, I was getting asked by, by uh, one particular high school. They were having issues finding co-op placements. So they're saying, hey, listen, because part of the group that I started was to make connections. And part of that is letting experienced tradespeople in the community be present and answer questions to those who are aspiring to be in those particular trades. Yeah. So I have electricians, I've got crane operators, I've got in this group. So when I presented, so when I was presented with this opportunity to help this high school find co-op placements, I actually was, was, very, was very happy to see that within 12 hours, I had three different companies reach out. And we're willing to take a co-op student on, but a lot were not open to that. Because they don't want yeah. government. Well, I'm sorry, in construction, less government is actually better. Oh, I know. But it's difficult to do that because they won't 
I mean, I always, I will always have a bone to pick with government, right? Like, I don't like Everybody the fact will. that recently OYAP received an additional twenty-seven million dollars funding for next year. Right. So they went from fifty to seventy-seven million, right? I think we briefly talked about this before. Yes. And I'm like, I don't see that money being properly used in that program. Yeah, where's the return on investment? There isn't a return on investment. Do you, how many, do you know how many people that I've spoken to in this group that had no idea what OYAP was? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, so, so you got an organization that's getting that was getting fifty million, and nobody knows. About and next it. year they're getting seventy-seven million. Yeah. So they've increased the funding. So why is government increasing a funding for a program that's actually not returning an investment? And in my opinion, there are, there are certain like, and, and I don't want to paint it all with one brush. No, no. I do see that there are some boards that are doing a better job of it than others. Like I know, for example, Halton Catholic District School Board, like I see what they're doing, what their Pathways team is doing, which is a well-oiled machine in my yeah. opinion. They are taking steps to promote it. They are obviously the Skill Trades Fair, for example. I thought it was a smash hit. I don't think there are many other, and that was board-wide, like at least a good 2,000 attendees at that, which was, which was refreshing to see. They're, they're, they're promoting that. Like they're really going after that. Next year we're working on something where I'm going to be going in to speak to more schools given yeah. that I've got more of my off season to give. And part of that we're in preliminary discussions is to, and I, and I talked about OEAP in my, in my presentation, but it's going to be to kind of more so amplify it. So really get the word out there. Cause the thing that they're running into is that, okay, we could tell these kids all we want, but it's us telling them that if it's somebody else, an established business owner, tradesperson, whatever, it lands differently, it's which a different is different voice, which is a, the whole value behind all this. And the fact that I was a teacher too does help. Yeah. So like I said, I think there are some places that are doing a better job at it than others, but, uh, am I naive to just say, why don't we just pay attention to what's working, amplify that and whatever is not working, we dismiss it. Right. It just stops. I do think honestly for what it is, the OEAP program is an amazing program. Like, I mean, the ability to shave off your, your hours off your apprenticeship and get your OSSD. You I know, but the amount of kids that they're turning out for the amount of dollars that are being put in. Yeah. If you're a business owner. You look at that and you go. You can't run the business. I know. You, you wouldn't survive. But then again, that's government, right? And, right? and that's where I think it's a waste where that money could be used elsewhere. Like, right. in, in ideas of what you're doing. Right. And Halton and other places that, that it's actually positive. It's working. It's bringing more kids in. Yeah, no, for sure. There does need to, I do feel that there does need to be more, obviously we've talked about this, more ground level, like I guess grassroots situations coming yeah. through because I find there's such more authenticity with that. But that's only part of the puzzle though. Like I think realistically, if they were able to get to a situation where that OAP piece was was really, maybe maybe that's, if it can work to that, then I think it will be a very viable program. I think in theory, it's amazing. But if we're looking at obviously all these, dollars getting sent through and it's not really giving us an ROI on it then so how I does a kid Larry navigate through all the white noise oh because there is a lot like between it's, a t- it's so much between the privatized schooling yes. that says that you do this program you pay ten thousand dollars for three months and then we push you into the real world and yeah. then the real world tells you you don't know shit yeah, you don't exactly. have shit yeah you just wasted ten thousand dollars exactly and then but they're doing that and they're milking that cow and they're yep. enjoying it it's a nice money making course situation and then you've got the government that's just confusion yes so how does a kid these days navigate through where you know at some point these kids woke up and said i want to be a tradesperson 100 i'm interested in this particular craft i want to learn it but i don't know anybody exactly so that's where 
And you're 100% bang on. I found as I got into, because I've presented from grade 7 to 11, and I found with a grade 11 presentation, those kids were really dying. Even though you and I they're have focused. 100% there. Yeah. And there were ones that came into that presentation knowing that they were getting into the trades. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. This is grade 11. Yes. I'm like, we have to tap into this as much as possible. But you see grade 11, they're kind of out of the OEAP piece. At that point. Right? But having said that, the presentation is still good to them because obviously they're they're really getting into the subject selections and making definitive decisions on their their forward progression into career choices and all that. They're getting a better idea of that anyway. Even the presentation is good to cement and have more wind in their sails so they can move with more confidence. Like yeah. I, had, I had a grade twelve attend the Zoom presentation that I that I gave. He knew he was getting into HVAC. He, he was fully aware that that's what his path was. His mom was extremely supportive, which was amazing. And he, he sat in the presentation. And after being in the presentation, he's, he's even more confident in his choice because I'm outlining the benefits, yeah. right, and all that. So Is that, he from a family of construction or no? Good question. I'm going to want to say no off the top of my head, but okay. I, could, I could be wrong in saying that. Actually, I believe the mom is not, No. Okay. Not, not no, sure I'm, I'm just father, curious, yeah. right? Because there's always there's two groups, right? There's of kids course. that are coming from construction. And there's kids that want to just don't come from construction. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the how do they navigate that? Like it, it's exactly you have you, you're getting different voices, and they're all motivated in in completely different areas. I try to provide a very neutral, and I, and I start my presentations like that. Listen, I'm not affiliated with anybody union college like nobody i'm just you a business owner that's why like, I, I like what you're doing because yeah. you are not truly influenced pushing a mandate when you oh. get into these government programs or whatever you get the unions involved they start pushing certain carpenters drywallers or whatever and you start going but that's not what we're looking for that's, that's not what you need now i just realized but before we got re recording we're working down is uh, uh monty the government actually just uh, started giving out scholarships for 183k for kids to get into brick lane Right, because it's a dying trade. It's a dying trade. And I, I've had Craig, uh, sorry, Mark from Craigmore Construction, and I, I, I was really respectful of what he had to say because when he got into trades, all he did was a, a search. He just searched and he said, which is the, the least interested trade? And right. he found it was Brick Lane. So he said, well, here I am in my early go. 20s. I'm getting into Brick Lane. Before he was in his mid to late 20s, he was already making 50, 60K as a bricklayer. Right. He chose one of the harder ones. So it was kind of refreshing to see the government say, okay, we're going to start this program, try to push it up. You see this number of 183K or whatever, that's a scholarship fund. And I'm like, yeah, but where are the specifics? I need to know how exactly you implement Who's going to be teaching this kid? Where's this kid going to go? And I'll, like all the, there's, a, there's a lot attached to just saying that number. I agree. I mean, I'll be honest with saying, like you look at social media and you look at some of the training centers that some of these unions have. I was actually quite blown away by, by some it's of the things doing. It is. And yeah. I think that's an amazing step in the right direction because you're doing all like concrete forming, concrete uh, finishing, bricklaying, like all this stuff in house, not on a site in your training center. Yeah. Like I just, I was blown away when I saw it. I'm thinking, why don't we have more of that? Other thing that I, that I heard of that uh, was mentioned in an article very recently was a co-op teacher in Toronto District School Board who had this Explore the Trades program in his, I guess, in his programming or curriculum, whatever you want to call it. And he had the opportunity to take his students or whomever was interested in skilled trades and pursuing that as a career. And he would do, say, two weeks in plumbing, two weeks in electrical, two weeks in different trades to give you a taste of 
what each trade is. Because let's face it, you and I talked about this. There obviously, there, there's that attrition piece where it's like, okay, well, you might have 10 people get into plumbing, but then maybe six might back out or who knows, whatever it is. But doing something like this gives you that opportunity to get like, I would, I would love to see that like go across the board. And I know I had a conversation with my friend at, uh, at uh, the Pathways team at Halton Catholic, and he said that that's eventually where they want to be. So do you think that, I mean, I know that we have the top three, right? We've talked about it over and over, HVAC, plumbing, electrical. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, exactly. Those are the top three. And do you think the majority of kids are wanting to get into the top three first because of the money? Because they are three trades that are recession proof. Yes. You can make a lot of money as soon as you get all your training and you get all your ticketing. It's all done. Yes. You're making a healthy life. You You are. You are. Now, are they money driven at first, these kids? See, the thing is, the truth is that they, like, it's such a, such a mixed bag. Like money, money is part of it, of course. But what I try to present to them is kind of like everything. Like it's not just money, it's lifestyle. It's like, there's so much tied to this. There's growth opportunities in that. But I think it's just the fact that when most of us think if I, if I start any presentation or I've not any presentation, but a lot of presentations in person, that's one of the first things I ask. When I say skilled trades, what comes to mind? What careers come to mind? And you're always going to get those three. But then I say, just so we're aware, there are 144 that are listed and registered. <laughs> and the funny thing is mine isn't even on the list. Really? It isn't. So where are you categorized? Like we're I would be considered as non-compulsory because there's no apprenticeship or okay. if I was to be on that list. But okay, I yeah. guess I'm just a shoemaker. <laughs> you know, all right, that makes no sense. Need <laughs> to revise the list. There should uh, and you know what? There are others that should but be But it's on funny you're saying over 150 and the top three are the ones that I always looked at first. Exactly. But the thing is like and I try to what I try to do is I try to I try to really cast a broad net with it in these presentations because I say, listen, there's a trade for everybody. There are trades on there that you probably didn't even know were on the list. Yeah. You have child youth worker. You yeah. have you have ECE child development uh, practitioner. Like, I, I encourage everybody go Just on the go list, look. take, a, take look. a look, exactly see what's yeah. see what's compulsory. And, and Skill Trades Ontario website is amazing because it shows you what's compulsory, non compulsory, what's red seal, and, and the the apprenticeship requirements for each of those trades. So I say, you know what, I encourage everybody because do you, do you, you know, know Larry offhand. Which are the bottom of that list? Good question. I'm assuming that Bricky is probably at the bottom there, like least interested in getting into, right? So I don't, I don't know what other ones would be there. I, it's interesting. There was, there was a story. So shortly after I started the group, I was, I was invited to do, like I was, I was asked to do an article for the local, for the local paper. Yeah. And I was talking with, with the reporter and he told me that why this piqued his interest so much was because He'd recently done a story about a well driller in the area okay. who's 80 years old. And he's saying that nobody is in my trade. And he's concerned because he's 80 years old. Nobody's there to pick up the torch. And he's saying, I have homeowners that have no running water or have no water because we, because obviously the, the scarcity of his trade. He said, I have so many people try to call me, want me to work for them in you know, areas that are one, two, three hours away. And he's just, the only person. He's the only person and he's 80 years old. So when he retires, when he calls it quits or whatever the case is going to be. What happens then? What happens? And, I, and it's funny, a couple of days after that, somebody in the community group that I'm in said exactly that. It's been three days since I've had any water. I'm having issues with my well, this, that, and what have you. And it just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And even this reporter, he told me like this really like, it, it's it, an issue. Yeah, and it hits and it hits really hard. It, Did it you find hard. out if that person 
Was he approached by anybody to take it over, to learn, to train? Did he... From, from the conversation I had with the reporter, it just seemed like he was just kind of... I mean, then again, in today's day, you talk to a kid, hey, do you want to be a well? Like, it's just, uh, no. No, uh, exactly. Not, not really. I know. That's, I know. That's definitely bottom on the list. But you see, it's, it is. And I know you and I have had a conversation about this too. And there's another part of it that I want to touch to that conversation. We're talking about, you know, this whole idea, like it could be on TikTok and you could be making all this money on, on social media. You know, what's so cool to see is all these trades people on there showcasing their trades doing incredibly well on social media. Friends of mine who have amazing following, they're just, they're, they're doing, they're getting, they're being brand ambassadors, brand ambassadors, they're, they're obviously they're monetizing this so i get where they're coming from obviously the content in which they're delivering like these there, kids there's are, a fine line there like I, there's a fine line between uh, at some point you sell your soul to the influencing gods yes exactly and then i like following the people that are on social media that i have a lot of respect for because mm -hmm. i could see that they haven't been influenced by those right you know those entities right and right. even recently i saw a, a trim carpenter use foam in between his uh, shims for his door jam extent, uh, connections, right, and installations. And I was like... Is that a huge faux pas or what? I mean, uh, no, no. Not, I, I, I thought, first thought I thought was like, that's a clever idea. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, that's a clever idea because we only put shims at the top, bottom, strike latch, hinges, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else is a void. Right. So then this guy was putting foam, you know, non non increasing expanding foam like more of a window foam and then it's making more solid so what do i do first of all i just send it off to a bunch of trim guys that have been on the show or that i know and i'm like thoughts he goes we we get clients that ask this specifically and i go okay well bottom line is is there a difference he goes huge the door and everything is much solid much more solid it's feels heavier especially if you're dealing with heavier doors and you're dealing with three hinges and i'm like you know what now that I've spoken to these guys, now that I saw that, I'm like, okay, it wasn't a pushing, buying, I'm an influencer brand. It was just a neat little trick. And I was like, yeah. I want to try that next. Interesting. I totally believe in that. So now I'm going to drink that cool in and just, just try it. And I bet you any money it will feel. And I, I do like, I've always chosen solid wood doors over hollow core doors. I've always chosen three quarter poplar for jams instead of finger joint half inch. I've always, so now here's one more thing that I can do that will help. So I agree with you about, you know, there's that fine line. And I'm, and I'm very respectful to all the trades that are sharing that. There's a lot of trades that don't want to share everything because they still have their own little, you know, yeah. And you, of course. And you want to you, you want to respect that. If of anything, course. reach out to that tradesperson because yeah. they will tell you in person. They just don't want it completely out there online, right? So th of those course. are the educators. Those are the ones that are actually sparking interest to a lot of these kids that are trying to get into the industry because these kids are definitely influenced by a lot of these people online. But I'm hoping that they can smell the influencing gods, right? Exactly. That's yeah. the only thing. And I think, you know what, like, there's a lot of good things happening with that. But, I mean, first and foremost, it almost kind of calls into question, I guess, and this is just in general what's being presented to these kids in these schools, the statistics and all the numbers. Like, let's face it, any high school, when they talk about and they use metrics to describe their success or student success, what are we hearing? We're hearing such and such percent of our students get into their top choice university, right? We're getting yeah. those statistics, such and such percent of our student body gets. Okay. I'm not a teacher. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not a parent. Right. Who cares? 
<laughs> for us, for us. But as a as a parent, though, you then go, hey, this is this is nice. This school really prepares the students for university. But if that student right? goes to university and that student's partying and smashing it, and Thank you. grades suck, and then they are kicked out or they quit, I want those stats. Right, exactly. But then that's and that's the point I want to make here is that the statistics that are being presented right now and are broadcasted. Oh, you know, they get their top program. It's all about post-secondary university. Yeah. And these statistics are incre- incredibly shallow, short-sighted, and they're not providing any long-term. I could, and I know, having been in that trench, how many of these students end up changing programs? How many of these students end up in careers that have nothing to do with what they studied in university? Yeah. I'm a prime example of that. So... Exactly. One thing that this is a whole attitude shift that needs to happen at the school level is those statistics, in my opinion, I think we should be throwing away. Are they doing that right. for traits? No, they're not. But my thinking is that I would love to know, okay, the statistics I care about. I want to learn about, okay, out of all your graduates, which ones have found fulfilling careers, which ones are happy in what they're doing, regardless of what yeah. it is. Get past that point of entry exactly. and find out the point of exit. Exactly. Are, like, what's the financial piece here? Yeah. Are, you know, how much in debt are these students? And That's which, another component. Which programs are causing these kids to go the most in debt? Okay. How quickly or which ones are the ones that are becoming more financially free? But the schools will never share that information, right? And I don't know if they care about it. Sure. They got into York. They got into U of T. They got into McGill. They got into all kinds of these prestigious schools. But they racked up six figures. Yes. They finished their education and they're unemployed. Yeah. Well, show me that stat. Thank you. If that's an actual fact, I like to know that because that's going to influence me whether or not I care if my child goes into that school. Exactly, and that's that's a bit of that's a bit of the presentation of what I give. I say, listen, like I have no, I have nothing against, the, you know, any profession or anything of that nature, but I say, listen, and I understand some of you might have, and I I tell them I tell them all very point blank, and I have the, the numbers in front of me, and I think I showed you that last yeah. time too. You know, maybe you have family or friends that could hook you up or connect you to a firm or to a job or whatever the case is. Or maybe you have an RESP that you've been saving for. Maybe you have a genuine passion and interest for this line of work. I'm not going to take that away from you. But if you are the type of person that is going into this line of work because you think you're going to make a lot of money and you see maybe suits, you're watching that show and you're influenced by all this. And it sounds ridiculous, but I can't tell you how many people actually have this line of thinking going in. Then They'll watch a program and they believe that that's the oh, real version buddy. of what it is. When I, okay, so I was in criminology at York University. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah. The entrance average to get into that program was like something like 80, 85% to get in. Okay, had nothing to do with the academic rigor of the program or anything like that. It had to do mainly because at the time CSI had come out and everybody thought criminology <laughs> was CSI. I'm not BSing you. The, really? The, the demand for that program was insane. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. So they had to, they had to up the admissions average to, to weed out uh, and, and cut down the demand. So it's, it's, not, it's not, and I know people that have gone into law or whatever it is because, oh, we know that they make a lot of cash. I want to drive a nice fancy car. <clears throat> but then you see some of these guys coming out of, out of their articling positions, making 50, 60 K after spending 106,000 and still carrying that debt. Yes. And then none of that, that's forgivable. There you go. And, and you know, <laughs> one of the interviews I did was with a former student who is, um, he's the CEO of penny drops. So 
he is essentially trying to push financial literacy to all students in the country. Great idea. And, and I asked him, I said, Joe, what are some of the ramifications? So say let's take Mr. Plummer here who, who has no debt because he did OYAP or he did, for example, an apprenticeship at a high school. He's making 100000 we have a we have Joe Blow here on the left who is a lawyer has one hundred six thousand he's one hundred six thousand in debt maybe he's making one hundred thousand too I'm just saying we're we're making their income pretty much neck and neck yeah. one's got more debt than the other how do the banks view that and he says well it's going to essentially determine the interest rate that they're going to get so chances are this guy's going to have a higher interest rate because he he owns owes more he owes more like it, the odds get stacked against you nobody talks about this stuff. Nobody talks about this stuff because you graduate, you want to get a car, you probably wouldn't want to get a mortgage or something to that nature. You don't know what the impact of that type of debt is going to have when you're trying to move forward in life. It's like a dark it's a cloud. Very, it's a very good point. Yeah, it's a dark cloud that's going to that's going to keep following you until you chip at it. Which yeah. how long is that going to take? That's another statistic I like well, to know. I mean, the other also you got lawyers coming out of school and they have to start living a certain lifestyle to just start socializing. To, to, to build relationships. So now you're looking for clientele or you're looking for employment and it costs money. So now you're going out to bars, restaurants, events. Plumbers God, are not doing that. No, and God forbid you show up in a Toyota Camry. You like, can't do that. Okay, let's face it. Unless there's an Uber sticker on it. There you go. Like <laughs> it's incredibly image driven. Yeah. Very image driven. And it's not the only profession that's like that too. Right? We no, know there's that. a lot of them that are like right? that. So so I don't wanna, there's I, already a disadvantage for that yeah. student to come out of education and start a career versus a trade to start a career. But isn't that interesting? You have you have certain professions that care about image. Like there's no like like what's the substance there in a trade? If you don't know what you're doing, if your service and your and your and your workmanship, whatever the case is, is awful. <laughs> Like that's the substance, right? That's do, what we do. Need. A lot of these students don't re- like. Do, do they not look at any city sightline and just look at tower after tower after tower, and then communities, and all of this stuff is being built? It's not being built by Joe Schmo. No, it's not. It's being built by multi-billion-dollar companies. Yes, that started swinging a hammer at some point. Started swinging a hammer on the bottom. From the bottom, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that I could say that almost every construction company that ever started started from the bottom. Exactly. They didn't just dive right in. All of a sudden, here's a whack of money, and I'm going to build a huge corporation. No, everyone started at a, a, a low point. Should be an inspiration, and it should be a, like a like a target for them to. That's how I would think yeah. that you would look. Like I, I really wish the kids that are listening that they realize that just walk around town in any city that you're in. Mm-hmm. That whole infrastructure there was built by tradespeople. But you want to know what's, what's even cooler, too. Like, it's 100%. Exactly. Like, bang on. Like, even just, like, at the, uh, the micro level, just, like, even just those working for those companies, they are compensated very well. Like, and I, and I, and I show them, and I've been very grateful to the individuals in the mentorship group because they're sharing their union contracts. So, if I look at, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell them exactly, <laughs> which is what, a lot of them, the average, what I'm seeing, first year apprentice, you're 28 an hour. Yeah. 28 an hour, 40 hours a week, 50 out of 52 weeks out of the year, you're making 50 plus thousand, which somebody out of university is going to be more than happy to be making. Okay. Because first, they have 100,000 in debt to pay off. Right. So. But that kid doesn't have that 100 grand. It does not. So 20, you're starting off. You don't even know, what, you know what I mean? You don't even know what's left from right at that stage you're getting paid incredibly well you become licensed you're close to 50 50 an hour and that's with no responsibilities you're not a foreman you're not by any means on top of that 
So there was, again, this part, I guess I'll say, like, because it's actually, you can look it up online. It's not, uh, it's not hidden by any means. No. So an iron worker in the group shared his benefits package with us. Well, I can only imagine. I was blown away. I can only imagine. Laser eye surgery covered 95%. Yeah. Laser oh, I didn't eye. know that. Yeah. Really? 95% laser. And I'm thinking, because I got laser eye two, three years ago, that wasn't cheap. I had to pay out of pocket. Yeah. 95% coverage up to, I think, five or 6,000. Oh, sign me up. Braces for kids, 95% coverage up to 6,000. Per service that was not covered uh, by OHIP was, if I'm not mistaken, so we're talking like chiropractic, yeah. massage, yeah. was between 3,500 and 5,000 a year. When I was teaching, I was lucky to get 750 bucks each service. I blew through all of that in a heartbeat. When I hurt my back years ago, like I that's, had no idea that that's what you're access to. Yeah, but who's telling these kids? Nobody that? is telling them that. Here you are. But then again, also, I'm going back to the bottom of the list. Iron workers at the bottom of the list. It is, but I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like, I tell them, like, you see all these these in demand, high in demand. Like, I tell them the value of chasing what's in demand, right? You don't want to be the 500 person in line just twiddling your thumbs. Hopefully no. they give you a call. You want to be in that position. So ironworker, brickler, whatever it is, we know that they're very well compensated. And the best part is their overtime is double time. Weekends, double time. So you're close to 100 bucks an hour now. The more you work, and then I, and I pitch it to them and say, listen, most of those professional situations are salary. So you do 60 hours one week, 40 one week, 70 the other week, it's all the same money you're getting. yeah. yeah. You work more here, you get paid more. Is that the famous argument that you get a lot from tradespeople saying that we want these trades to be in demand because we're going to start dictating our own rate and then we'll be asking for whatever we can ask for, like what bricklayers, ironworkers are asking for. Right. And they're getting it. But then you've got the flip side where you got the big three, mm -hmm. you've got the middle where you start going with framing and, and trim carpentry and you get drywallers and things like that. And then they're all fighting for any kind of rate because there's so much competition out there that clients and builders will just pay whatever right and then you want work take it if you don't want work don't take it right which is not really fair so we've got extremes top bottom the middle everyone's fighting yeah there it's is really a little unfairness right there can be i know i get that i get that but yeah it's, it's all supply and demand driven obviously it's just but we need iron workers we need bricklayers absolutely we need all we need all the trades right mm -hmm. that's the thing about it let me do a quick shout out here uh speaking of a trade here uh rob from galaxy plumbing wants to be the first and only call for residential and commercial plumbing repairs he handles leak detections drain camera inspections drain snaking and drain jetting i don't even know what drain jetting is is that the, the water blasting? Is that what it is? Yeah, so. but into a waistline. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've spoken to it. Shower <laughs> cartridge, uh, cartridge uh, replacements for standard or luxury showers, water, water filtration, installation of faucets and toilets. And the more complicated, the more Galaxy wants to help you. Reach out to them on IG, Galaxy Plumbing Inc. Email Rob at rob at galaxyplumbinginc.ca. And then his website is galaxyplumbinginc.ca. And of course, check out his show, which is show number 33, where he tells his whole story. That's it, man. Larry. Um, yeah, buddy. Okay, so how are the parents? Have they changed now? Are they really being supportive of this? Because it wasn't too long ago that parents, my kid is not going into trades. Right. So what I'm seeing, I can't really see if like if attitudes are changing specifically, but what I'm, what I'm seeing is that there are a good number of parents that are very supportive of it. So it's like tap into that, right? 
you might like there are parents out there that really do see the value in it and are 100% full-fledged into their their kids becoming tradespeople which is amazing so run with that ball because like I said from it was amazing at that skill trades fair and I was talking to uh, to to my friend who's who's at the board there and just all these parents seeing each other and in that volume like you become more confident in moving forward with this because you see you're part of a huge community. We're not the only ones. And there you go. So we're all moving together in this in this uh, on this journey. So things like that I think are incredibly important. Other boards, you know, I, I, from my side, are still doing virtual events and all that, which you don't get that FaceTime and you don't see that to the same degree. But that was an extreme positive from from that event in specific. But I'm seeing a good number of them. Right, and and of most of the people that I've joined the group are parents, who saw what I was what I was presenting and 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 doing and so on, and they're saying, I want in, I want more information for my son. And here's another group that is interesting too, so because it's funny, like when you start up anything, any venture, you don't really have any ideas of what direction things are going to go in. So started things up, doing my thing, and all of a sudden I start getting outside of Georgetown, I start getting. Uh, individuals that have that are homeschooling their kids you get a lot more parents doing that yes and and you know what i I tip my hat off to them i i I admire it so much and second third job now right absolutely is and truthfully like in a lot of these parents in these situations love the trades some of them are trades people and you can imagine a student that's in school that we talked about the pathway is already ambiguous as it is. It's even that much more ambiguous for them because they're not going after the OSSD like anybody else is. So part of what I was doing was my own research and calling the ministry and kind of getting things together and and really getting the most concise information to give to them on how can they get to that point. So for, and and, and since then there've been quite a few parents that are homeschooling, unschooling kids in the group that are following and, and, and engaging with the material that I'm giving them to get them more direction. So as we know, they're not going to be going after the OSSD, Ontario Secondary School Diploma, like a school going, sort of like a student going to school would. So they have different options because these requirements that are set out by employers, unions, the apprentice and all that, they require OSSD, yeah. the Secondary School Diploma, or a grade 12 math, grade 12 English. It's usually the top to what you see so their options are the ged certificate the yeah. ace certificate which a lot of them knew about the ged not a lot of them knew about ace which is offered by the public colleges and then in some instances depending on your home school board you do have the option to essentially try to follow the pr- curriculum of your home school board and try to see if they'll recognize and give you the ussd yeah obviously that's going to be on a case-by-case basis and a, and a regional basis i don't think every school board is going to do that but i think the gd and the ace is more than sufficient to get you to that equivalency of the ossd to to be able to push the ball forward to go forward in the apprenticeship process so stuff like that little nuances so here is, is there a little bit of selfishness when it comes to the parents because i mean i've got four siblings mm-hmm. the only reason my siblings call me most of the time <laughs> is to fucking build something <laughs> or to you know fix something yeah right so it's yeah. like i just assume that every family needs that one member that knows a thing or two about the traits right because as, as selfish parents I'm, I'm assuming most of the parents you're probably talking to are probably 
in their 40s, maybe late 30s, early 40s, maybe mid 40s kind of thing. Sure. Around that age group. Sure. 40 so, sure. so they're thinking, let's get our son or daughter into trades because we're going to want to renovate our house when the kids all get the hell out and we don't want to hire somebody else. We want to hire in family. Like that's a little bit of selfishness is all I'm thinking. You know, it's interesting you say, I never thought of it. That. I ne- <laughs> never, never thought of it I look that at way. it that whenever yeah. I see my phone and it's one of my siblings and I'm oh, like, these guys I, want I already know it's not, hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah. can you come by and take care of this? Yeah, I think I think it, it gets to that eventually. I don't know if that's the immediate intention. Though. Yeah, I know that's just. But I honestly had never thought of it that way. Though. But it's funny though. I mean, you have a trade in your circle. You got, you got gold. Oh, of course, you got gold in life. Of course, it's uh, it's yeah, it's because it's like somebody who buys a pickup truck. You're going to be the go-to person exactly. anytime somebody wants money's to move. left on the dash for gas, and you're like going, yeah, you know what? I'm not buying a pickup truck ever again. There you are. I got yeah. a, I got a Corolla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's funny you say I never thought of it. Yeah, way. no, it's, that's why yeah. I'm just thinking maybe they're thinking that way, or they also kind of laugh it off, but they also thinking that it's our our kid connects with that Mm -hmm. like they have a certain natural ability to do that like they were doing something as a kid interest legos or sandbox or whatever or they were always watching when trucks were coming by and work was being done right so it's just like it's there it is it is i mean what i'm seeing is i am seeing that genuine interest so it's good to hear that well it's it's incredibly refreshing it's what kind of puts more wind in my in my sales to continue pushing this forward so it's I mean, the ready is enough there. It's just to see it, it kind of gives me that extra push. The There are quite a few parents that, for example, like they even write in the, in the intake questionnaire, what do you want to call it, that, oh, my son is in grade six, and he loves hands-on stuff. So I think a trade is going to be interesting for him, but I want to have some more information to be able to get the ball rolling, kind yeah. of think ahead. Yeah. Love it. Fantastic. It's funny, we're... We were kind of talking about this earlier. I want to bring it back up because not a lot of people understand or kind of realize this because the whole university piece, and we talked about how good number of students get into a certain program and they back right out after a year of or two. They say, course. you know, the same for me. Well, guess what? You lost all that money. It's gone. You didn't lose it. You know where it went. True. True. <laughs> However, if you're doing an apprenticeship, a plumbing apprenticeship, you do a year or two years and you say, hey, you know what? I don't think plumbing's for me for whatever reason. You haven't lost anything. You've been paid that whole time. And you've acquired a really good skill set that, Very yeah. Good point. If, for Very example, point. Yeah. toilet breaks or sink needs to be replaced or whatever it is, you know how to do that. And, yeah, you're going to be the person that your family member is going to call and harass and try to but pay But plumbing is still, like, I would like to say that trades are connected. Mm-hmm. So even, I, and I know there's a lot of jokes between electricians and plumbers. and all yeah, they that. Shoot We, we all have the jokes, right? Yeah, yeah. But I just think that if you are hands-on and you are a trade, a plumber, and you could easily move to HVAC, you could sure. easily move to electrical, you can easily shift to other trades as well too, right? I mean, sure. and, and that happens a lot. And, right? that, and, and that, But you got a good point. They yeah. didn't lose anything. No, they did not. They've been paid and paid well that entire time. Yeah. So, and they might revisit it again later on. But also the other thing is that you'll make great relationships when you're working with other trades. You're respectful of what, so if you were a plumber and you became a framer, Mm -hmm. you're respectful of what to expect for the plumber that's going to come on site. And then all of a sudden they need this done and then you do it and you'll get it ready. And you'll be like, well, nobody does this for me. I used to be a plumber. So So I know what it's like. Yeah, I know what it's like. So then I'm on your same page, right? Which is totally true. I like that. So yeah, where do you see like, like how are you okay now that you've got it started? And I know that when we first started 
you did the show you and then you started trying to get more traction you were getting resistance <laughs> i guess not so much resistance you weren't having questions answered yeah and there was there wasn't the the follow through or the buy in as much yeah. as i thought there would have been initially but then that came later on but now the ball is rolling yes it is parents and teachers and kids are now paying attention where do you see this whole georgetown skills where do you see it going now? Where do can you, it's going to eventually overtake everything, and you're either going to have to make the decision yourself. This is my full time gig at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to cross the bridge when I get to it. I certainly want to take this as far as I can. Yeah, and and really like shoot the kill, like not not just show up for participation ribbons because I see what's at play here and I see the value. Like this to me is purposeful stuff incredibly purposeful stuff. I can't tell you how how much enjoyment I had in being able to present three co-op placements to a high school to get their kids out there and working and get them experience like that to me is it's the traditional teaching somebody how to fish not just giving them a fish yeah, type of situation so yeah, that yeah. speaks to me in on so many levels you know my my background and my story yeah. and the resistance i faced at home in getting things off the ground so this is like this is like purpose like you wouldn't believe i i certainly am going to take it i mean i know next year we're in conversations with uh, the local board there to do more presentations to more high schools and grade nine and grade 10. I mentioned grade 11 as well as an option because like I mentioned, I found that they were very, very much engaged and very into what we were, what we were talking about. So we'll see what happens with it, but I do know that the intention is to expand those school presentations next year. And yeah, like I, I'm excited. Like it's, uh, I don't know exactly what, I, I couldn't crystal ball this if I could, but I, I'm going to take this as well. But I love that it's growing like that. Yeah. And, and are you are you going to try to get government assistance? See, or, things, I'm not, I don't know how to stick handle that. Like, that's, that's a tricky That's almost part. like, talk it's about a, influencers. Like, you, yes. you almost have to know somebody to get into that circle to yeah. potentially request funds. And that comes with so many strings attached. That's my concern is that the that's last the thing you parts. want is like, you've got a great idea. You're actually making connections. Then we muddy the waters. Right. Exactly. We don't want to do that. Right. No, no. I, there are some other ideas that I have, which I mean, I'm going to keep them close for just for now, just because I, I have to see how they are going to play out. Right. And I don't want to tip my hand just yet, but there are some ideas that I have that might circumvent that. So, because yeah, I agree. The government piece. See, but my problem with yeah. the government piece is that the moment that they they see you, um, I guess succeeding for lack of a better right. word, you actually connecting. Yes. The most the, the the first thing I see them possibly doing is is trying to throw in mandates saying that you need to focus on these groups. Right. And I have a problem with it because these groups are kind of politically favored. Yes. But surprise, surprise, morons these groups are not interested in getting in the trade. So why are you going to go to a group that's not interested in getting a trade? Why and don't we go are. to groups that are very interested in trade? They just don't have the guidance or the know-how of how to get into trades. And then because of that, they're choosing other options because they're easier for Then them. you're losing that yes. trade, that future so trades person. Tap into and engage. Yes. 100%. And that's what this is. That's just kind of like, is that crazy pill talk here? Because no, I, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that one 100%. Yeah. Because it, why is it's like trying to get somebody to do something that really do they... I don't want to do it. Yeah, they don't care to do it. Like well, but you told, check the right boxes. Right. So we need you to do it. Right. No. <laughs> hey, if, if some of them are, I mean, whomever it is, if some of them are actually 
interested and, and would be really good at it. I have no problems with that. Right. But if it's just for the sake of putting a body in a position for the sake of saying, yep, like you said, check a box, you got to understand there, there, there are bigger stakes at play here. So yeah. my piece is just getting those who are interested and try to engage that interest and show the benefits. Like you're right. Are there going to be moments where, I mean, I don't even know how far, how that would be. Like, I don't even think that they would care to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Regardless, like the other big hurdle that I, I get that the bigger companies are tied in with all the unions, so then they have a lot of apprenticeships come in this way. And yes, there's, there's a steady stream, it's just a highway of tradespeople that are just getting in. And then you get into that world where you're just another cog and you come into the machine and you'll learn your hours and you'll you, you, you like it, whatever it's great. Mm -hmm. But I, I get when I try to speak to any small business tradespeople owners, and you mention, oh, yeah. You mentioned apprenticeships. You mentioned all kinds of opportunities, co-ops, co all this other stuff. They kind of hum and haw because of paperwork, because of they they didn't have success with the kids kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, right? Exactly. So you have, you have one bad candidate, you're going to get turned it's off. It's going to be a residue for the rest of it at that point, right? So it's just like, is there a way to streamlining that? So then when you speak to a potential business that wants to bring in somebody, they don't have that face. Right. Because I get that all the time because I get asked all the time, can you introduce me? I'm like, sure. I've met so many people through the show and through my network and I'll do it. But then every time I have a conversation with these people, they give me that face. It's like, I don't really want, like I've gone down this road. It's a pain in the ass and it doesn't work all the time. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I get it. Like moving forward, if this really kind of goes in, in, in a bigger, you know, in, a, in, a, in a, another direction, there's going to have to be conversations. Like if it's a situation where I can provide insights and, and I guess whatever it is and ground level feedback to these organizations, government or whomever to help improve those processes. Like that's something that I would be willing to do. Like in terms of trying to, I guess if you want to call it lobby or whatever it is, I don't want to get tied into anything politically. Like Muddy waters. Of, yeah. Man. But it's just like, listen, you want, you want ground level feedback, which is incredibly valuable in any situation. Here it is because people are talking to me. I can be that conduit. You are you compiling saying? data now? Are you starting to at that point? Not at that point yet, but that will be something that, that is something that I would like to get to in the future. It's valuable, eh? It is. You're having conversations that they're not having. Exactly. And the thing is people would much rather talk to you. Right. So the other side too, and we talked about individuals getting into a trade and then quitting or leaving yeah. right that's something i want to know as well i want to see if there's any statistical information that can be provided as to what the percentage of that is and the why behind that the why is critical because in, in, in you know we all know that there's going to be a percentage no matter what the job is career profession how does this measure up to those is it more is it less but still why is it a workplace issue is it just Maybe they did not realize, for example, that this trade was what they thought it was, for example. And if that's the case, then, yeah, you need to be putting out more explore the trades programs out there for people to get their feet two weeks at this trade, two weeks at that, and two weeks at that to see with confidence, yeah, I'm getting into whatever it is, plumbing, electrical. I know that that's what I want to do. There's some funny marketing going on, too, as well. I want to go back to the university uh, example that you said about which schools are, you know, kids are getting into and the prestige behind it and all this other stuff, but they're not giving you up the data on the kid left or so on. Yeah. I can only assume that the government has got their political speaker box going on. We need X amount of people getting into trades. This is a program that we're doing. We're potentially going to get this many. 
But then the conversation stops short right there. They don't talk about what percentage of those kids got in and got out. Right. You know, I mean, they just lost interest in it as a result, or maybe went to a different part of the trades, or maybe 154 different trades. Mm-hmm. They probably chose something else, but and that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, but that's I mean, that's the purpose of government is just you know you're supposed to be very transparent and show all this information, but they're not. No, they take the soundbite and leave it at that. My question is, are they actually tracking it? And do they have that information? <laughs> take the 27 million from Oliap and then start tracking it. You know what I mean? There's a lot because of wasteful spending, right? That, that to me, like it's like with any business operation, like we want to know what's working and what's not. If it's not working, why is it not working? So fix it. If it means, if it means hiring an independent, if, and who knows if this has been done or not. I think I mentioned this before. Get an independent review going, non-government tied, and get them to look at and say, okay, well, yes, we have say 15% of all individuals applying into or getting into apprenticeships that don't end up finishing their apprenticeships these are the reasons why have those conversations it it, truthfully so we don't have that data no we i don't see any of that data anywhere it's not presented because then we would actually be able to figure out what is working what isn't working sure then you can actually fix it 100 percent. because life easier because like yeah is it be legit because somebody just did not have the image line up with reality of what plumbing was or is it just simply that the workplace environment was toxic or was it because you know the the whole i guess going through the exam process and there wasn't enough support there the suits thing that's not what lawyers are really all about right so they probably get onto a job site and they're like well i kind of thought construction was like this and it's not mm-hmm. so implementing like so that that school that's that's doing that explore the trades program is yeah. really hitting the nail on the head really yeah. in my opinion because i get it why would you want to sign up for something that's a 30-year ordeal when you're kind of going into it with a vision of what you think it is, you don't know what it is, but if you're actually out there for a week or two, I think a week or two is a good sample size. It's just how do you line things up to have employers facilitate that? That's where the... Am I fair to say, Larry, that um, trades people at first when they get into the industry don't think for themselves? because they're not exactly sure how to get in or how to get started or what to do, and they don't want to make a mistake or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the moment that they learn the game, construction people think for themselves a lot. You know what I mean by that? Somewhat. I'm because not. like business owners, you go back to tradespeople that start their own business or go on their own after they've learned some skills and they've worked for companies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then they figure, okay, well, I want to start my own business. I want to have my first van, second van, whatever I want to grow. But... In the back of their head, they're always thinking about how to improve their business, how to expand it, how to hire a new apprentice, how to. So they're always cause and effect, cause and effect. But the starting gate, when they get started, they're just Seabiscuit, just running out there, and they're just like, "I'm trying to prove my worth. I'm trying to be the best I possibly can. Right. Keep my mouth, you know, shut. Don't face, yeah, exactly. Don't cause any issues. Don't ripples. No, nothing like that. But I think that the moment they, they realize, okay, well, this is the game this is how it works i want to go on my own so now i'm going to run my business and i've learned what i can and i'm going to speak to other people to learn more mm-hmm. so I, that's why i was saying that do tradespeople think more for themselves after they get into the game but they don't think that much for themselves at the start of the game i think yeah okay now now that we've kind of yeah i think you're i think you're correct in saying that at least at least that's, that's how, that's how I, I see it, it. that's yeah. how i view it right yeah. so you, you you see those young kids getting in and they're nervous. Of course. They're very, very nervous about making a mistake. Of course. Right? But there's also a lot of tradespeople that are like, they're not going to frown upon you if you do make a mistake. They'll actually listen. This is how I would have done it. 
and then they'll educate you. They'll teach you, right? It, so, de- it depends on yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I uh, high rise commercial, and you're just another monkey, and just yeah, keep you your know. nose down, and that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I get it, but I mean, if you start getting into custom, you get a lot of people. There's gonna be bad apples everywhere, Absolutely. but I, that's I'm just saying to, for the kids, like don't. Okay, it's not a bad thing that you're not questioning or you're keeping quiet at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like you'll eventually learn and think for yourself. Just keep your eyes open. Exactly. Like like what they say, it's it takes ten hour ten thousand hours to be an expert at something. Yeah. And I say that in my presentation. So ten thousand hours to become an expert at something. There's no question that in those ten thousand hours you're probably gonna be going, What the hell am I doing at some point? You're gonna be questioning whether or not you're in the right direction. I think everybody and I tell I tell them this, everybody, no matter what situation, relationship, career are going to have those moments. Yep. Right. You have the four seasons, winter months, which depending on if you're dialed into your sweet spot, your, your, like where you should be, those winter months obviously don't feel as long or as harsh. But the bad moments are also going to resurface even when the, everything's going good. Of course. Of course. That's just, they just hit you differently. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, you'll react differently. Of course. You've learned from it. Right. But I mean, if you do start as an apprentice, run a business, start your own shop. It's constantly. There's going to be problems and you got to solve it, right? 100%. Yeah, it's not going to be smooth sailing no matter, like, what, it's, it's, you're going to run challenges no matter what you do. That's why I keep going back to trace people think for themselves. They, right. they, they try to fix things properly and make sure that they don't make that same mistake twice because the same mistake twice costs money. Of course. As a small business owner. Time, yeah. If you're just an apprentice, you're part of the union, you're on a high rise, and then what, you could have made a small mistake. It doesn't really cost money, right, at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it doesn't really affect you. But no. when you're paying all the bills, it affects you. So then guess what? I'm not making that mistake twice. No, you're dialing in 100%. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, the bottom line is that there's all this, I wouldn't say it's misinformation. It's just these kids are just surprised by all the construction white noise where they just don't know where to go or how to start. What the how, like what the, how, how do I begin? That's all it is, right? Yeah, and then like like we talked about like what can it lead to? Like you talked about business and all that, so they don't know. Okay, so you get into whatever trade it is. Okay, because a lot of a lot of kids are thinking more long term. Yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to know that that's all they're going to be doing for the rest of their life. Maybe they're thinking already. Okay, well, how can I move this forward in a different direction? How can I use the skill set and kind of get into whatever it is? So being able to present those opportunities in a way is saying, hey, listen, yeah, you could do this, do it for a couple, you know, however many years, get really good at it, and then you can consider doing X or this or that. You have options, which is a good selling point to it, whereas in some career options, once you get into that career, there's no room for growth there. You're locked in. You got a roof and that's it. Yeah, you're locked in. But also make the relationships and build those relationships out there because mm-hmm. you're going to maybe potentially one day want to do what you see somebody else online doing mm-hmm. and then you'll ask them, mm-hmm. how did you get from this to there? And then they'll give you some insight and then you take that information and you apply it to your own business and then you grow from there. I, th- I think everybody in construction at some point wants to grow and get to another level and try this and try that, right? 100%. And have other opportunities too, right? So you go from one vehicle, two vehicles to a fleet. And you keep on growing. But that means that you just need to have the mindset to do that properly. And don't jump right in, right? No, like the biggest mistake I see in, in a lot of people, what they do is they, they try to blow things up too quickly. And then... They're in a hurry, but that's just like society today, man. It, it is. It is. But And the other thing, too, is like I, I, try to, I try to tell in this presentation, too, like when people get into things, they, they try to be good and they try to do everything. 
Delegate. Right? Delegate. Man. Right. And it's like you have to understand, like, try to focus on doing one or two things, but do them extremely well. Be the expert in that line of whatever work, whatever it is that you're doing, because you have 100% up here. Yeah. If you have 10 things here, you're going to give 5% there, 2% there. Like, if you have one or two things, you're able to give 100% focus on those one or two things. So... Don't think you're going to get into it and you're going to do every single bloody thing. It's just not going to, it's just not going to happen. So maybe that's how they start. They start the same way. They start thinking, how do I start in trades? Right. Just start focusing more on how to get in there. Don't start worrying about everything. Mm -hmm. I got to get certain tool. I got to get a certain vehicle. I got to get certain all this. No, you don't. Just start getting start all simple. the information. Start yeah. getting all the information first yeah. and weed out the good, bad, and ugly information. And then just go from there, right? Yeah. And there's like even like... Not the sound, uh, whatever, but like even like when you're calling, say some like Skill Trades Ontario and Ministry and so on, there is a lot of different information that's being given. It's oh. it's finding it's finding the consistent stuff and kind of and, that, and that's part of what obviously I was trying to do with some of these some of these uh, questions that were coming into the group was getting the consistent and most accurate and, and reliable info. So I mean, you got to give the government some credit for actually just continuously pushing this stuff and, yeah, and, and you see a, you see a lot of promoting of it a lot of programs and, and getting out there but mm -hmm. if it's just shit being thrown at a wall and they're just hoping stuff sticks yeah it's not gonna that's happen. where i have a problem with it right like why don't we just focus it it's funny we're telling kids to stay focused and <laughs> and then we're our own government's not staying focused right so it's yeah. like so how do we get this message that's why i, I started the show i was like we're on our own no, 100%. And this this promotion of the trades and all that has to be an inside job. Has, it has to, be. to be. Because, let's face it, there's no authenticity when somebody in a suit and tie is going up there saying to a student, you need to get into a skilled trade. Well, who the heck are you? Truthfully, kids True. are going to see, okay, no, look, I want to see somebody who's in the trades, who's done well with it. I want to hear what they have to say about it. And that's part of what I'm doing is trying to build the relationships and give the face time and bring these skilled people to the forefront like my buddy raul for example i will say like kind of tie off to, to what we we're saying in the, the previous part about the government there are some individuals like in the ministry for example one individual i connected with out uh, out in the one of the eastern branches was a was excellent to deal with like you could tell he, he really cares and his passion when i told him what i was doing because he yeah. he obviously is he's wanting to know okay who are you and why do you want to know this stuff so i said i'm i've started this initiative and I'm trying to guide. And once he heard that, he lit up. He said, oh, amazing. You're helping us is what you're doing. Yeah. I'm going to give you all the information you need. I said, okay. You're now my go-to. So if any of my friends or anybody that I know in this group that has questions, I'm sending them to you. No problem. So there's a lot of communication going on between? Uh, there has been, especially yeah. when some of those, I guess, stickier questions have come up. That because uh, like in me, I just want to get an idea as well. Yeah. If I call you guys, what's that process he's like? What's that process like in a sense? And it was kind of like honestly dealing with like a telecommunications company. Truthfully, <laughs> you get transferred, and I'm just like, okay, this is you got disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, on that note, there's two. Like, I would say to all the kids that you're actually, if you you finally get boots on the ground, you're on the job site. Expect resistance. Of course. Expect negativity. But don't take it personally and learn from it and try to problem solve because guess what? Part of your wheelhouse is problem solving. And then on the other side of that flip is the employer. Don't be so quick to just dismiss a new person getting into the industry because mm -hmm. you don't know much about them and you don't know 
if they're a phenom or any of that, that you don't know if they're actually just going to connect really well. You just haven't given them that opportunity yet. Exactly. So don't already paint a negative without even knowing yet. It's, it's amazing. And I think it's a, I, 150% what you just said. Like we tend to write some people off too quickly. Too quickly. And I've done it my, in, in the past too, where I've, I've kind of cast somebody aside thinking, okay, this is just, you know, in a negative, paint them in a negative light. And then you see what they're able to achieve. Yeah. And you're just thinking, I did not see that coming. People can light up and, and, and turn it on at any point. You don't know what hidden potential they have. And sometimes, and I, and I tell students about this too, environment has a lot to do with that. Oh, 100%. Environment has a lot to do with that. You have somebody, and I, I can even say from my own, in my own experience, like what a change of scenery can do or just minor things could do to, to your achieving your potential. You know what I mean? So exactly. Even just, and simple things on, on the employer side, simple, simple things. Like it doesn't have to be, you have to buy them lunch every single day. You don't, but just like no. simple appreciation. Give a damn about your people. Are you going to start Larry? Like, I, I, okay, I, I see your program. I see the group and everything growing a lot. Are you going to start offering, um, I guess, some sort of way that the kids can come back at you as they get started? I've got this scenario. This came up. How should I handle it? In terms of? Just some more guidance, right? Because the thing is, I I don't think when it comes to a new apprentice or a new tradesperson in the industry, okay, off to the woods and fend for yourself. I would would not want that to happen. I wouldn't want to continue that relationship. If, if... like it, it, the mentorship piece is just, it's, it's an ongoing thing for me. Yeah. And it's much like, like I mentioned to you, the mentors that I've had, it was an ongoing thing. It wasn't just like here. You just so. drop a line and you just go, here, listen, I got, this came up. Yeah. This happened. What do you think? How should I handle it? Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence about how to handle this or whatever. If I don't, if I don't have the answer, then it's one of those things where I'll find somebody that does. Yeah. And that's, and that's the whole point of the other experienced individuals in the group. Yeah. Is because, like I said, we have so many different tradespeople in that group that uh, that more than likely would have encountered that situation. There's no new situations. No. There's only new ways that certain tradespeople have reacted to those situations. And there's always the good way to do it and the bad way to do it and then the hard way to do it. So it's just, why not just, before you react, find out from others on how they handled it. And you never know, it might actually help you handle it, the situation a little bit better and then diffuse it, say. I'm not saying it's all going to be negative. could also be positive. Of course, maybe, maybe you've got an opportunity where you're working with somebody that you love. Great environment, great employer, great tradespeople you work with. Everything's great. But then now you're being offered another position and you're wondering, ah, do I leave? Do I stay? Do I, like Have that conversation with people that have been in that situation mm-hmm. and then see what they did or how they handled it. But definitely don't burn bridges, but also if there's an opportunity on the table, you might want to take it. You might want to consider it. Absolutely. Like even just exactly, how do you preserve a relationship moving forward yeah. when you're trying to, when you're yeah. trying to grow, but do it in such a way that you're kind of leaving that door open in case you had to. Never know. 100%. Or cross paths because I say oof. construction, you always, you don't know the, the, the trace person that started with you. They might grow a business that's massive and they might need a specific trade company that you're building to be their go-to that's right and now you've nurtured that business and now you're nurturing that relationship don't ever forget that don't dismiss it and just walk away and just take don't chase the money at that point i know a lot of kids are just chasing the money saying i'll go where it's like two dollars more an hour no don't you never know it'll cost you more in the end in the end that's the thing about it right interesting stuff 
Yeah, so no, there's a lot going on. I, I yeah. love that you're seeing that there's a lot more interest from parents, from, from uh, our, I guess, our teachers, guidance counselors. I, it's great. I, I don't, I know that a lot of people have said we need to get, you know, the shop classes back in school. I think that, I think that's a mistake. I think it's too little too late. I think by the time you go through all the red tape and set that up and then you get a school to sort of nurture all that, it's a waste of time and money. Mm-hmm. I think you're better off trying to educate these kids to get into the industry properly and then get them connected to the proper people and then find let them find their voice in the industry and then get into that trade and then try it out, see if it works. And there's so many different things that you can do without having to you know, have a full-fledged shop operation. Like if I look at, for example, what uh, my friend Sean at the Halton Catholic District School Board Pathways team is doing, he's going, he's getting these, he's, he's, they're doing an amazing job, I'll tell you. And essentially he's bringing stuff to them. So they're doing woodworking stuff. They're nice. doing, they're doing crosses. And then he's doing collaborative work between the grade sevens and eights and grade twelves at the local high school, the feeder high school where they're building an altar, like in their woodworking, and you have those grade 12 students who are really for, far ahead yeah, in, their, yeah. in their journey, and they're able to share that excitement with these kids. Like, they're, they're firing in all cylinders over there, so they don't have a shop class to do it, but they're doing it in such creative ways with what they have that is engaging and keeping these kids excited. So great, seven and eight, and we talked about that being the ideal range to get the conversation going, fantastic, get that going, get that going. I've had the opportunity to talk to some of those students, and, and it... It's it's kind of hit or miss at that at that age bracket. I get it, but then we start getting now grade nine with the tech credit. Yeah, if that is handled properly, you can continue that and continue building that fire, and then you get, for example, you have these career days, grade ten ish, grade nine or whatever, and grade eleven in some cases, and then we have individuals like myself and others in the community that can come and speak, and really present them with the facts. Yep. I did, there's back to the social media. There's a lot of people that have built nice businesses and also nice platforms on social media, where I see their shops and I'm I'm envious. I'm like, oh, that's actually really nice. I've seen that shop grow. I've seen that business grow, and I've seen it go from a garage, basement, whatever it is, to an actual legit shop. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the kids that are listening, don't be surprised if you actually reach out to any one of them and go, listen, can I just come to your shop and just be a fly on the wall and I'll work for free. I'll sweep the floors. I'll ask you questions about machinery. I'll even, you know, like teach me a few things. And all of a sudden you don't have to wait at school level, government level. I'm pretty sure I feel confident enough to say that anybody that you reach out on social media that is approachable and you like, and you've been speaking to them DM wise, they will say yes for you to come to my shop. 100%. And then you're in the environment now. And like you said earlier, environment has a lot to do with it. Get on site. Just get on site. So then you'll, you'll get into a, metal fabricating shop if you want to get into the iron workers or the welding or that get into obviously there's a lot of wood framing wood trimming whatever shops there, there, there's that right but there's also you get into working with tile guys and see what their shops are all about or whatever fabricators for stone this is huge now I'm, I'm talking to so many people right now that there's so much fabrication going on in stone these days they don't have the workforce for it they need more people to do it Right. And that's like what, if anybody's paying attention to anything, stone fabrication is just being exploded. Like it's just insane. Some of the craziness ideas that are coming up with right now. Take note. You might want to take a huge note and then reach out to them. Go, listen, I will work for free just to be this environment. 
it will work. I guarantee you. People oh, will say, sure, come on in. See, the thing is, what I'm starting to see in all these, like the individuals coming to the group, like these are very, like so many passionate people out there that love what they do, that they would have no issue sharing that with anyone else. They know what the long game is. They know what they're yep. doing on a number of levels. Maybe somebody did it for them and they're returning that. I'm, and, I, and, I, and I tell all the kids about the power of social media. I say there's always somebody that's willing to accept your outstretched hand. Totally. I remember when I reached out to, to, to Bruce in Connecticut for the very first time 10 years ago on a, on a forum, I'm thinking here, let me just write this guy a message just to pick his brain about because he's in my, in my industry. And writes me back, I'm thinking, oh, wow. Like that kept my fire going. And like him and I have been in touch ever since. Yeah. And, and if you never sent the message. You never would have made the contact. Exactly. Right? So if you don't ask it, you won't ever get an answer, right? And you know what? Maybe out of five, ten people, most of them are, are giving you the time of day, but I bet you'll get one. There you will, for yeah. sure. And yeah. I mean, spending some time to actually send out a dozen messages or even two dozen messages. That's not going to take you that long to do it. If you're on a job site already, if you're working and you're on the toilet, send it when you're on the toilet. There and you that's go. it. Exactly. And, and the, the truth is, you know, to me, if, if, say, if this is obviously, I'm talking about Bruce who's in Connecticut, that's, he's not close by any means, but somebody who is, maybe that could become a co-op. Maybe that could grow into a OEAP. That could grow into an apprenticeship. You don't know. And me as an employer looking at somebody who's sending me a message like that, I'm thinking, this individual is incredibly engaged. Yep. And I don't care if you have no experience at that point. I'm actually okay with that. But you're hungry. And that means all the difference in the world. And that's why I tell these kids, yeah, no experience, depending on how you handle it, is actually a big asset to you. It could yeah. be a serious game changer. Yeah. Because, and I told them, what I do is very technical. Those that have hired on with me, they had no experience. You know, they didn't even know how a pool worked when they came on. But <laughs> they were eager and I tell them the story about the one student that, and I said, if you have to be careful how these employers find little ways to test you in ways that you don't even realize. So me asking for a reference or references, we've finished the interview. Okay, cool. You, you can talk to talk. Okay. Can I have three references, please? It seems like an easy BS task, but the truth is there's so much that's tied to that because I want to test your follow through. I want to see how eager you are. If, and, and this has happened where individuals have, taken days or i've had to remind them so that makes no sense then you're you're done that's yeah. it yeah but the one that is like within 30 minutes i get the ding in my email with the references yeah this guy's game on yeah or you ask hey listen i see you don't have any experience in this line of work i want to see how they respond to that criticism because that's what that is yeah and if they're just like yeah well i don't know and, uh, well anybody that's going into an interview you should be asking yourself go. how do i answer all the the holes that I have that's it. in my opportunities. Yeah. That's as simple as that. So I'm getting these, trying to coach them into things. So the value of what I'm, what I'm presenting is not just skilled trades. It's no. just general. It's yes, that's the context. But you're also sharing communicational skills too, right? Yes. Like they have to, because the thing is fine. You could be the best skilled person out there. You can have all these tricks, you know, in your toolbox or whatever, but if you can't communicate, then if how are you going to handle clients? How are you going to handle employers? If you're, you? if you're not personable, yeah. if you can't connect with people, yeah, exactly. You could be the best out there. Nobody's going to care. It won't mean anything. Nobody cares. People it, would be okay with hiring somebody that's good, yeah. not amazing, yeah. but they're able to trust and connect with that individual on different levels. I know you've had a lot of success in the Halton area, Georgetown area, and that, that you think it's going to be the same when you start tapping into other areas? 
I'm kind of waiting to see. I'm kind of waiting to see if it, if it kind of goes beyond that. I mean, right now I'm kind of focusing on Halton because okay. that's close to home and that's yeah. obviously like we love the community. So it kind of started off as a community piece because to me it's, we've done like fundraisers and we've donated and all that and, and that stuff is incredibly important. But to me when you're giving your time and, and kind of going about it that way, like it's that much more impactful, I think. If the opportunity does come up where things kind of expand and I feel that I can help more outside of the Halton area, I would absolutely run at that opportunity for sure i'm just being honest i don't think you'd have much success in toronto i think that you'll have a lot of success in neighboring cities outside of right. toronto right and we know that the greater toronto area is like 17 cities in total or whatever but Correct. the thing is that i don't think that toronto toronto um will embrace it as much right because it's a, it's kind of toronto's got a chip on his shoulder where you're walking in going oh by the way the way you guys are doing it is wrong right and here's some ideas that i want to try that i think will work because They've been working in other cities, smaller cities, and communities have been embracing this. Yes. But that's that's where it's a, it's a shame. And I think in construction, get rid of the ego. Of course. Like if we, we all know there's a problem, we all know there's a shortage, we all know it's going to take a decade to fill that shortage, even if we started yesterday, which we're not starting yesterday. We're behind as it we're is. We're behind yeah. as it is, right? Yeah. So it's like get rid of the, the chip. And let's start focusing on the problem and fix, and fix work the problem. Work the problem, which is what trades people do. Right? <laughs> That's where the thinking so comes in. It's honestly wherever, like if, if, if I can see that there's there's a legit buy-in, like I, I would hate to go to a place that doesn't genuinely want, or if they're just checking a box, I don't feel like I'm really fulfilling. It's not, it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit to my heart. No. If I could see that they're going to be kids that are really going to want to learn and kind of engage with what I'm giving them, I'll go wherever like as long as they know that I'm, I'm I'm helping them in that sense, send me wherever. Larry, this has been great, man. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we did. I, I, again, I wish you a huge amount of success, man. Thank I know you. that it's a lot of work. First of all, it's a lot of emailing, phone calling, times being spent to just set up these engagements, yeah. uh, and then just grow it. But I totally see it being huge, and I totally see you actually producing good straight tradespeople. I, that's, like that's, navigating uh, them through this really confusing world, which is, yeah. it's fair enough to say that it is confusing because Very. there's a lot of biasness going on. There's a lot of BS going on. And uh, you have to be careful in the beginning where you spend your time and money learning to get into the industry. There's going to be a lot of advantage, like this people taking advantage of you mm -hmm. just to like, you know, get into this program, spend this money, spend this time, and then you, you, it doesn't benefit you. So just make sure that it benefits and then don't be afraid of reaching out to professionals out there and they will speak the truth to you. So, I mean, I, if I was a plumber, I'd be calling 12 plumbers, asking them, listen, if I do this skills program right now, it's going to cost me 10 grand for three months. Is this going to help me or hinder me when I try to get a job with you? Let them tell you their version. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then just if you're constantly... And we estimate all the time. You know, I mean, you got clients all the time. And if you're getting five estimates and three are in line with each other and then two are out of whack, one's low, one's really high, disregard the top and bottom and focus on the three. Exactly. So if you're speaking to 12 plumbers and 10 plumbers tell you the same thing, ignore the other two and focus on what the 10 have told you. That's kind of the truth. Yeah. And go down that path. And then it's only going to benefit your career getting into trades. 100% is. Yeah. You have a job for life. That's all it is, man. Larry Lagamba, thank you very much, man. The Georgetown Skilled Trades Mentorship Program. Larry Lagamba at Hotmail.com. And on Instagram, it's Larry.Lagamba. And that's it, bro. I appreciate your time coming out. And 
I'm looking forward to the next one when you come out with another, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. Know, it might be the, tr- actually I have a trombone at home. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I played. That's what I played for the longest time. <laughs> I would love that one. That's, we just got to well, adjust the levels a little bit. Because right now, I don't know what else I'm going to bring you. Like, uh, Oh, there's always something. Like man. I spent $2 on this. But You're see, you, you do something like that. It just makes other people try to one-up it, right? That's the thing about it. There That's what go. I love about it. We so. have a drum kit inside. <laughs> I, I wouldn't well. mind that. I we'll think that'd be great. Thank you for thank you for the thank support you. and thank you for having me. No, anytime, time. man. Anytime at all. And all the best to you, man. I appreciate it. Angelina, we are out of here.